Today, we're, we're jumping into uh, the last part of the Legacy series, and we're, we're, um, we're actually going to just kind of look back and see what God's done this year at, at church, and I want to celebrate some numbers with you that just pump me up. They fire me up, and the first one is this, that since like, it hasn't even been a year, guys, we're, we're 10 months in, and in 10 months... 234 people have said yes to Jesus. They put it, that's not just hands raised. 234 people filled out a connection card. We have their name, their address, their phone number saying, I'm giving my life to Jesus. 234 people is incredible. That's awesome. Um, 939 first-time connection cards. That's, that's families, that, that's way more than 939 people. That's a lot of people who came for the first time to just check out what is God up to. Uh, 170 people have completed Step 4, the growth track, with 188 new members who said, I'm going all in. I love this church. I'm going all in. I'm, I'm selling out. I want to be a part of what God is doing here. And then um, 508 people on an average weekend here at City Hope Church. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. So, so that's cool, but, but we're also, we've been kind of staying at the same place. And the reason is, when you look around this room, it's full, right? If you're in the 11 o'clock service, it looks like this service. So that's the reason we're, we're uh, preparing to go to three services, because there's a lot of people who want to experience what you're experiencing. They want the life change. They want the, they want the community. They want to get close to God. And we are working on going to three services in uh, um, in late January. So y'all stay tuned for that. But three services means more people can come to know Jesus Christ. More people can have a relationship with him. More people can experience what you've experienced. Amen? Man, so we want, we want to provide that. We, we, don't, we want to make room for people. It's what we want to do. Make room for people. Because really, at the end of the day, the numbers that matter are the 234 people who gave their life to Jesus, the 55 people who were baptized this year alone, 55 people baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's awesome. And that pumps me up. So at the end of the service, what we're going to do is we're going to do the legacy offering, and, and we're going to have a time of worship. And I've, I've asked you about five weeks ago, we began talking about this and asked you to just pray, just prepare for what God wants you to give, what he wants you to do. And there's no pressure today. I want you to know that. You guys know, if you've been, if, if you've been coming around church long enough, around City Hope, you know we just don't do pressure. We, uh, we don't like that. No compulsion type of thing. And so uh, I've already made an appeal. I'm not going to make another appeal today. But I want to just ask you to obey God. Whatever he's asked you to do, you obey the Lord. And if you're a guest, that's between you and what God wants you to do today, whether you give or not. Um, and if you're here today and you say, Ben, I, we just don't have anything. We do, we, we don't have, we, we, we're not ready. We don't have anything to give. Listen to me. That's okay. Because here's what we know. You, could, you would if you could. In the past, you have. In the, in the future, you will. Come on, somebody. It's okay. We, we're your family. We, it's all right. Yeah. So we're a generous church, and, and I want you to know that, and we've been telling you this, but today's offering is not out of need. We don't need the offering. It's, we're going to give this offering outside of the budget. It's not going to go to pad our, our electric bills and rent and all that kind of stuff. We're giving it to five different areas so we don't need it. In fact, we're operating the church on 79% of your giving. 
Come on, somebody. That's pretty awesome. 79%. And, and uh, so by the end of the year, we'll have given away outside of the walls over $60,000 to touch people's lives in this community, in the nation, in the world, through different ways. I say this is a miracle offering. I say it's a miracle offering because, first of all, it's a miracle that any church, uh, most churches can't give their offering away. You know that, right? They, they, they can't, and God has blessed us. And so I'm just recognizing, God, you've blessed us. We want to be a blessing to somebody else. But it's a miracle, too, because it's going to be a miracle in somebody else's life. And that's what we're, we're going to talk about today. But before we get there, just remind you real quick, the five lanes. Okay, you probably know them, but I'm, for, for any of you who are new here, I just want to give you what are the five areas this offering will go towards. The first one is local missions. We've identified there are, there are dozens of opportunities here in Wichita Falls. Some we support monthly, some we don't. And there are some who have needs, and we want to be able to accelerate those needs. And we committed when we started this church that we would not duplicate ministries, if there was already a food pantry in town that was doing great things, we weren't going to go start another one to compete with them. Come on. Let's just partner with them. Let's resource them. Let's send people to serve. Let's, send, let's uh, financially support them. And, and so we want to do that. There are, uh, we're going to tell you more about it over the next few weeks. We'll celebrate what your giving did, um, and we'll tell you where that money went and how it blessed and how it made a difference. The second lane is, is national missions. And, and I love this one, too, because it's, it's about church planting. It's about resourcing churches. It's about strengthening churches. And you may not know it, but there are churches who actually come here to, to City Hope, and we're only 10, 10 months old. They come here to learn from us, to learn what, 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 what are you guys doing. And they, they want to see how we're doing things. They learn from us, and so we want to ex- resource them and strengthen them the best that we can. But we also want to take care of some some pastors out there who, they're going through some hard times right now. I got word this week from a guy in Wisconsin who, he said this to me. Uh, he said, this year's been rough. They planted their church in 2014. And he said, I've had some stomach issues that are unresolved. There's no cancer or ulcers, but we can't find out why there's this crippling pain. And he said, we've racked up some crazy debt, medical debt. And in July, my wife had a miscarriage with our first child. And, and... The, the medical debt got sent to collections, and now here we are at Christmas time. Man, what could we do to just re- relieve some of the, the stress they're going through? The church is great, but they're going through this as a family. We want to be a blessing to them. Never met the guy, but we know that we can make a difference, and we'll just say, hey, City Hope Church believes in you. We believe in what you're doing. We believe in the difference that you're making in your city. Amen? So we want to we do that. We want to resource and just be a blessing, a Christmas blessing to some of these guys. And uh, we've identified um, uh, some in international missions. That's the third lane, international missions. And I told you about what we're doing in Uganda and Cuba and Israel, right? But I haven't told you about what's going on in the Middle East and some opportunities that are presenting themselves to us in the Middle East. Did you know that revival is breaking out in the Middle East? I, I need you to know that. Like, like, revival is breaking out in such a way that the church is growing faster in some Middle Eastern countries than anywhere else around the world. Muslims are having dreams of Jesus Christ appearing to them in their sleep, and they're waking up going, I got to know this man. 
I got to know this Jesus, <laughs> right? The church is growing in Iran, okay? In a lot of the Middle Eastern countries, women are oppressed, right? The church is growing so quickly in Iran, and it's being led mostly by women. Come on, somebody. That's awesome. God's flipping the script. He's doing something awesome in, in that area. And uh, we have an opportunity to do some good in Pakistan. I've been connected with uh, an evangelist there named John Javid, and he is seeing hundreds of thousands of people show up at crusades, at these events, and they're hearing the gospel. They're giving their lives to Jesus like crazy in Pakistan. What, what could we do? What could we do to accelerate what he's doing there? And, and so that's international missions. Then there's the Leadership Academy. That's my heart to raise up leaders, to just raise up uh, the next generation of church leaders, people who believe they're called to make a difference. And then the last lane is, is uh, buildings and projects. And you guys see this wonderful building we're in today that's a school Monday through Friday and a church on Sunday. And we're renting this. We lease it every week from the school. We pay them a fee and pay custodians fees and all that. But um, we have an opportunity at a, at a building that we're just in, we're discovering how possible it is. And right now we're getting bids and we're getting estimates and we're just seeing what's the total cost for this renovation going to be. And, and we're asking, um, we're just in negotiations with, with this company. So, um, so here's, here's where we are. I want you to know that I've mentioned this before, how we move at the speed of generosity. We, we don't outpace ourselves. Can, can I say it this way? That we have no intentions to go into debt to get into a building. Because when we do that, we stifle our ability to actually do ministry. And now we got to like pay the mortgage and pay this fee and pay that fee. We don't want to do that. We want to be able to keep doing what God's called us to do. And so we move at, we're moving at a pace, but we can go faster as God provides. Amen? So we want to operate debt-free so we can do ministry. And today, I'm just going to go ahead and say this, and then I'm getting in the message. But um, as you're preparing your offering, whatever you've asked the Lord, you and, you and God have agreed on, if, if you, you can designate that, just write it on your envelope. Uh, if you're giving regular tithes and offerings, you can designate that into the tithes. And then if you want to designate above that, you, you just write that on there, and it'll get designated. Uh, you can just write the word legacy or a certain lane that you want it to go to. But uh, here's, here's what I wanted to get to. I, I know that was a lot of talking, but I, I did that to get here, to tell you this, that God is more interested in a relationship with you than a religion for you. I want to talk about, and I'm setting us up for a worship moment at the end of the service today, but God's more interested in relationship with you than a religion for you. Let me say it this way. That the message of Jesus, the early church, was that God and faith and religion wouldn't, would no longer be this distant relationship between you and an institution or you and a set of rules or you and a set of beliefs, but that you could personally know God. You could personally have conversations with him. You could meet with him on a regular basis. Come on, somebody. It's a relationship that he wants with you. And Jesus said it this way. In John chapter 5, he said, you study the scriptures. In other words, you come to church, you read the Bible, you go to small group, and you do this because you think by doing it, you get to heaven. If you do these things. 
But what, what you fail to realize is, is that these, the church and the Bible and the small groups, all of these things, they're, they're the scripture. They testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And it's a relationship that Jesus wants. He doesn't read the Bible, go to church, go to small group, but don't miss the person behind it all. Don't miss Jesus behind it all. Here's what I want to say, that if you miss the person, you will miss the point. If you read your Bible, but you never meet Jesus, you missed the point. If you come to church, but you never met Jesus, you missed the point. If you go to small group, but there's never, uh, you never encountered God, you missed the point. So t- today's message is titled, It's Personal. It's Personal. It's kind of like one of those messages where you bow up. You're kind of like, all right, let's scrap. Let's go. Come on. Let's take this on. Let's get personal, right? And, and this is, I, I want to just give you three things that, that I think every one of us need to take personal. We need to just be like, no, that matters to me. It, it, that matters. So the first one is this. Christianity is personal. Christianity is personal. If you're taking notes, you just write that down. Christianity is it's personal. Um. I was raised in church. How many of you were like raised in church? You grew up in it. I grew up in it. We were there every time the doors were open. Um, we didn't, we, we never missed. I mean, we were there all the time. And we had church on Sunday morning. We had Sunday school, then Sunday morning, and then Sunday night. And then we're back on Wednesday night. And we might have a prayer meeting every once in a while. And we were there. And I liked it most of the time, right? I liked it most of the time. I loved the singing. I loved music. I loved the faith part of it. Um, I, I just liked a lot of it. I, I went down to the altar on the regular because I did not want to go to hell. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Don't let me go to hell. I'm just repenting right now in front of everybody. Just, just repenting. Jesus, save me. And I, I, would, I, I was like that. I had encounters with the church, but I didn't have an encounter with God. I had an encounter with people, but I didn't have an encounter with God. And my life looked a lot like the scripture we just read about. I read my Bible, I would pray, and I would, I would go to kids' church, and I did all of that stuff, but I was missing the relational part of what it was all about. I was missing, I was empty on the inside. And then the summer between my seventh and eighth grade year, my youth group went down to a revival in Pensacola, Florida. Yeah, we drove eight hours to get there because it was a, it was a big deal. We, we drove to this revival, and I didn't know much about it. Um, it had started on Father's Day the year, the year prior, and it was still going a year later. And, and people were coming like crazy to, to, to um, see what was going on. Thousands of people were getting saved. And, and I remember going to this revival, and there was just something different about it. But my life wasn't changed because of the preacher. In fact, he was still, uh, he was, uh, it was a pretty, uh, I mean, it, it made you feel guilty. I mean, you, you, wanted, you came running to the altar because you didn't want to go to hell. Come on, somebody. You were... It was good. It, was, it changed my life, but it, it, that really wasn't the reason. Like, it wasn't the people. It wasn't the building. We, in fact, we were in an overflow room across the street watching it on a TV, and there were thousands of people there that night, and there was this long-haired guy leading worship. His name was Lyndall Cooley, and I just thought, 
And something's different about this place. Even in the overflow room, people were pressing in and their arms were up and they were worshiping God. And I thought, these people have something I don't have. These people are, are experiencing God in a way that I've never experienced it. I want what they have. I want it. And so I began to press in. And that summer between my seventh and eighth grade year changed my life. It changed my life. I was, I, I, let me tell you, I still messed up after the revival. I still messed up after I, I gave my life to Christ. I still mess up today, but I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I'm not in a bunch of rules and religion. I'm in relationship with him. And here's the deal. Here's what I want you to get. That all of eternity is based on who we know, not what we do. That we don't get to heaven because of what we, what we do in our actions and how good we are, but we get to heaven. We, ha we, we have this relationship with God, and we spend eternity with him because we know him, because of who we know. So Christianity is personal. It needs to be this, this I get to relationship with him. But then secondly, I'm going to bring it down to even closer to this season, is that number two, Christmas is personal. Christmas. We're, we're coming into this season of Christmas where, where you know, we've got lights and we've got decorations. And, and this time of year, we, we can get distracted with all the presents and the parties and all of those things. And we forget that Christ is actually in Christmas. <laughs> we forget that it's really about him. And the day of Christmas was always intended to be personal. It was never just an event. It was always meant to be personal. Matthew 1.21 says it this way. It says, she will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. Okay, going to give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. The name Jesus actually means God is salvation. God saves. That's what the name Jesus means. And the name Jesus was actually a popular name in that time. Um, in Latin culture, remember, uh, Jesus grew up in a time where uh, he was Hebrew, but, but th their nation was controlled by who? The Roman government, right? So they, they had Latin influence. And so his name was, um, in, in Latin, was Jesus or Jesus, right? How many of you know a Jesus? Come on, that's still a popular name to this day. You might go out to eat at a Mexican restaurant after the service today, and, and Jesus is waiting on you. And the cool thing about that is every time he fills up your Dr. Pepper, you just go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Yeah. So his Latin name was Jesus, but the uh, Hebrew name is Joshua. Okay? And we call him, we call him Jesus. Oh, Jesus. So, uh, but here's what I'm getting at. There's something about a name. Right? There's something about a name. When we can call on somebody's name, it gives us a relationship with them. Are you following me? Because, you know, there's some people in this world, we call them Mr. or Mrs. or this, you know. But when we can call somebody by name, we have some sort of relationship with that person. See, I can't call the Queen of England because I don't have a personal relationship with her. I can't call... Um, President Trump, because I don't have a relationship with him. I can't call our mayor because I don't have a relationship. I, but when I have a relationship, I can call him by name. So I can call Jesus by name. Listen to me. Jesus, I, I can call him by name. I can call on the maker of heaven and earth. 
I can call on the, the bright and morning star. I can call on the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon. I can call on the Lord of lords and the King of kings because I know him by name and his name is Jesus. I can call him. So he has this name, Jesus, but he's also got a nickname. How many of you got a nickname? I heard recently this guy, his, his name was, nickname was, was Fatback. And they don't know why they called him that. They just had always called him Fatback. And then, and then the guy said, but now he's got a fat front. And so <laughs> they just, nicknames. But, but you know what I'm saying? Though? You know, only certain people can call you the nickname, right? Because you can't, you know, like anybody just couldn't go up and be like, hey, what's up, Fatback? It's only for his tribe. It's only for his people, right? That's, that's the nickname for us. But look at this. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet, that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they're going to give him this nickname, Emmanuel. But this nickname, everybody can say that God is with us. Everybody be able to say, God is here. God is with me. God has never left me. See, Jesus didn't come just to pay for your sins. If he came to pay for your sins, he could have done that the moment he was born. He could have done that as an infant. But instead, he lived 33 years on this earth, and he experienced every temptation. He experienced every facet of life. Why? So he could relate to you and to me. So he could say, I know what you've been through. So he could say, I, I know where you're at, because it was personal to him. It's personal. He could say, I've been there. I know where you're at. I know what you're going to. And here's the deal. Here's what I want you to know today. That Christmas, this time of year, Jesus is the reason for the season. As cliche as that sounds, Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is the rizzle for the sizzle. Come on. <laughs> Come on. He's the reason for it all. So let me say it this way. If you go through all of the Christmas season, all of the presents, all of the parties, all the lights and the decorations and the trees and all the gifts, and you never get close to God, you miss the point. We miss the point if we don't get close to God. So the whole purpose of, of Christmas is God is with us. Amen? So then um, I'm, I'm a dreamer. I like to dream. I like to think about the future, and, and I'm constantly thinking about where God's leading us and what he's doing. And I was, um, I guess the danger of that, the danger of always thinking about um, what can we do with a legacy offering? How can we make a difference? The danger is getting so focused on the projects of what we're doing that I forget the reason why we're doing it. And so I want to talk about that for a second, that not only is Christianity personal and Christmas is personal, but number three, compassion is personal. Our compassion is personal. Look at this verse in Matthew 25. It says, when the Son of Man comes his, in his glory and all the angels with him, he's, he's going to sit on his glorious throne. Next verse says, that all the nations will be gathered before him. They're going to come together, and he will separate the people from one another 
as he separates the sheep from the goats, just like, just like a farmer would do, just like a shepherd would do. And he's going to put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then it goes on to say, then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. And I I needed clothes, and you clothed me. And I was sick, and you looked after me. And I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And, and, And check this out, though. This is, what, this is what gets me. All my life, I've, I've read this scripture and I see the to-do list that he's giving us here. I see, oh, we got to feed the hungry. we gotta, we got to take care of the thirsty. And we've got to clothe those who are poor and they can't purchase clothes for them. we got to take care of the homeless. And we've, we've got to uh, love those who are in prison. And, and I, I just run down this list of what we have to do. And I get excited about reaching people. I get excited about doing something, about planning churches and local missions. I get excited about all that, but the danger is focusing so much on the projects that we forget the person behind the projects. We forget who's behind the projects. Look who's behind the projects here. Then it says this in verse 37, then the righteous will answer him and they'll say, Lord, we we didn't see, we didn't see you hungry. When did we see you hungry? We, we, we just fed some people at Lamar yesterday. You weren't there, Jesus. When, when were you thirsty? We gave out several cases of water, but we never saw you there, Jesus. Then he goes on to say in the next verse, when, when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in? We, we never saw that. When, when did we give you clothes? When did we see you sick? Jesus, you were never sick. When did we see you that way? When did we see you in prison and visit you? And then Jesus will answer. And he's going to say, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. That's personal. Compassion is personal. See, we're, we're doing so much more than taking care of a project. We're doing so much more than giving to a lane, a legacy lane. We're doing so much more than, than that. We are... We're doing something personal. And I just wanted to make a commitment that since this is our first legacy offering, I wanted to get it right from the beginning. I wanted to do it right from the beginning. I want us to be excited about making a difference. I want us to love making a difference and love giving. I want us to love that, but I don't want us to forget the person behind it all because it's personal. See, Annalise and I, we... We began talking five weeks ago. What are we going to give? What are we going to give? What, what is the Lord leading us to do? And he led us to a sacrificial offering. And we prepared. We, in fact, we've already given, given that. We, I do text to give, so I just texted that earlier this week. But we're just a small part. We're just a small part of this. We're proud to be a part of it, but it's not about the projects. It's not about the local, national, international leadership academy. It's about the person who loves the projects.
can I say that again? It's not about the projects. It's about the person who loves the projects. It's about Jesus. It's all about him. And let me, let me say it this way. One of the best ways for us to love God is to love the people he loves. Can I tell you this? The best way you can love me is to love this lady on the front row. Take care of her. The best way you can love me is to love my kids. Because when you love my kids, that shows love to me. Amen? It's the same way with God. The best way we can show him our love for him is by loving somebody else. It's by loving somebody else. Our giving's not about the giving. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And I don't, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying the projects aren't important. I'm not saying they don't matter. Every one of them matter. But behind every project, there's a person. Behind every, behind every project, there's a person. And when we do it for that person, we do it for Jesus. Are you following me? Does that make sense? That it's, it's personal, church. It's personal. I'm not just meeting the need of somebody in Africa or Pakistan or Iran. It's personal. I'm doing it for Jesus. I'm doing it for him. And so I want us to do our legacy offering today centered around a moment of worship, centered around a time where we can just lift up our hands and we say, God, we're giving this to you. This is for you. And if you didn't come prepared, that's okay. No, no pressure at all. I want you to enjoy this moment. I want you to enjoy this moment, or if you give electronically, however you do it, let's enjoy this together. We're in this together, and we're going we're gonna to give what God's led us to give, and we're going to do it in a heart of worship. Are we, are we doing it for the people in Africa? No. Are, are we doing it for, for the local missions? No. Are we doing it for church planting? No. Are we doing it for, for orphans in, in Cuba? Are we doing it for the Leadership Academy? No. We're doing it for Jesus. We're doing it. We're giving it to the one who rescued my soul. To the one who has welcomed me home. To the Savior of all. In fact, I've asked the worship team to be prepared to sing a song we normally don't sing. And it goes like this. To the one who has rescued my soul, to the one who has welcomed me home, to the one who is Savior of all, I sing forever. That's what we're doing it for today. To the one who's rescued us, to the one who's given us hope. So I want to invite our ushers to come now. You're going to take your places, and we're not going to give just yet. And I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me right where you are. And if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. This is what it's about. This is what it's for. We want you to leave this place changed, transformed by the power and the grace of God. And if you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. All you've got to do is surrender. All you have to do is give him your life. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to walk out of here, never sin again. You're, you're going to mess up, I promise you. You don't have to have it all together to come to Jesus. This is your moment. And I want to lead you in a prayer right where you are. If that's you, you just say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Will you forgive me 
Will you cleanse me and make me new? I want a personal relationship with you. No more running. No more hiding. No more doing things my own way. From this day forward, I will live for you the best that I know how. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.